When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick. Welcome to the latest episode of the Five on the Floor podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Make sure to check out fivereasonsports.com. Make sure you spell it out. And also our YouTube channel. We just posted three videos up there. I think Alex is going to throw some as well. I'm going to have Alex Toledo with me. After the Miami Heat survived the Orlando Magic, a three-point win at home, 40th win on the season. Now 40 and 22 with 20 games left, just three games away, three wins away from the Vegas over-under. I should have bet more. You all should have taken my suggestion to bet more. Anyway, today's episode is sponsored by Cervani Men's Custom Clothier. What is Cervani Men's Custom Clothier? It's the place you go if it's frustrating for you to shop for dress clothes or you can't find the right fit, color, or style. You don't know what to wear or how to wear it. you got a wedding or a special event coming up, or you just need to wear professional attire daily. You've got to go see Blanca over at Cervani Men's Custom Clothier like I did. That's in South Miami, her private showroom located right across from Sunset Place on Red Road. Cervani has been designing fine custom-made clothing in South Miami for over 30 years. Your custom-made suits, pants, shirts, and shoes will fit you just the way you like. So schedule a private consultation with Blanca. That's right, a private consultation with Blanca to start looking your best and get the benefit of a female's perspective on men's fashion. Here's the number, 305-310-2085. Again, that's 305-310-2085. Eight five. Nothing fits like custom tailored clothes. Stop buying off the rack. And now, today's episode. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a Miami Heat and NBA podcast from Ethan Skolnick with Alvon Sydney, aka Alf Nine Five Four. Brought to you by the Five Reasons Sports Network. So I'd like to say, all my friends text me, this is not a hit. I guess, I guess Twitter was going crazy saying, I'm not on Twitter, but Twitter's going crazy. This is not a, this is a scratch from Wesley Matthews, for the record. Just want to say that. All right, on Five on the Floor, we always bring you the important clips first. So that was Duncan Robinson. We're not going to talk about what he did to the Orlando Magic at the very beginning. We're going to talk about what was being talked about on Twitter which was that people thought he had a hickey on his neck. Seriously, this is what goes on on social media during games, and this is what Duncan Robinson felt he needed to address. But, yeah, whatever it was on his neck, he had a pretty good game. Nine threes today, the same number that Dwayne Wade would have given the performance. Um, of course, the whole Aaron Gordon thing here against Derek Jones Jr., they were actually guarding each other. But, Alex, this game, I don't know that we're going to focus on it too much. Uh, we just covered it in a video 
They didn't defend the way they defended the other night. A bad offensive team in Orlando shot 50% from the floor. Terrence Ross went supernova against them, as he always does. I feel like he's on the random scrub heat killers, like, Hall of Fame list. Oh, give him more credit than that. Well. He's pretty good, man. He's pretty good, but I don't, I don't feel like he's this good against anybody else. I mean, he, even Michael Carter-Williams, who had the best game of his life in the first game of his career against the big three heat and, like, hasn't done anything since, played well tonight. But against Orlando, the Heat typically struggle against Orlando, against Fournier, against Vucevic, against Ross, to just get away with a win here, to end the end the homestand at 3-2, and two, considering the way that it started, to be firmly in the four seed, to be climbing up towards the 3-2 and two seeds. I don't know that they're going to get there, but they're creating some distance between themselves and Philadelphia at least. It's a positive, right? And the fact that they shot the ball so well, Dragic was terrific tonight. I thought he, he lost a little sort of ran out of gas at one point and then got it back. Uh, Duncan Robinson, again, the nine threes, and it's just remarkable what he's doing at this point. The only guy, in my view, other than Brandon, Brandon Ingram, who's in competition with Duncan Robinson for most improved player, is his teammate, Bam Adebayo, and it depends what you're looking for from a most improved player. Like, Brandon Ingram went to a different location, got more reps, and has made, made the most of it. Duncan Robinson has come out of nowhere. Nowhere. I mean, he wasn't even – people thought he wasn't even on the roster at all last year. Um, and Bam Adebayo, of course, has taken the leap from sort of being a bench player to being a, a legitimate, you know, all-star starter. But Duncan was terrific. Your thoughts on tonight's game before we get to sort of a bigger theme? Well, tonight I mostly felt that we saw more of the same from this Heat team, right? We've seen great offense at home. They made a lot of threes. They're, they're back to – you know, hitting threes whenever teams challenge them in that aspect. But at the same time, what I mean by more of the same is not great defense, right? We saw them kind of turn around the defense over the past couple of wins, but tonight was not exactly an example of that. I do think they did a good job going down the stretch. You know, the Magic weren't really getting that much offense going in the last few minutes of the game other than Terrence Ross just kind of, you know, taking these heat check threes. And, you know, they did a good job down the stretch, which, which is, you know, kind of what we've been harping on over the past few podcasts is that it's important for them to respond, especially going down the stretch in the fourth quarter. But the Magic shot 52% from the field for the whole game and 43% from three. You know, they also got to the line 14 times. So the fact that they got, let's see, about six different guys in double figures, including Terrence Ross at 35 and uh, Vucevic at 22, like, they definitely could have defended the Magic a little bit better. I'm definitely feeling okay, pretty good about their fourth-quarter defense right now. But, yeah, more of the same generally. Yeah, and and look, um, the the reality is that they had to respond at the end. They did. Uh, I have some concerns about some things that happened at the end of the game, and we're going to touch on them as we sort of go big picture here. One of them has to do with Jimmy Butler, who, by the way, did not talk to the media tonight, which is unusual. Uh, He kind of slipped out. He changed quickly. And he left. But, you know, same starting lineup they've been using lately without Myers Leonard. I thought Derek Jones Jr. had some good moments tonight. Kendrick Nunn not really on his game, so he didn't get the big minutes. He played 23 minutes tonight. But, again, Olenek, 5 of 5 from the field, 3 of 3 from 3. He's shooting 70% from 3 since the All-Star break. 70% from 3. All right, let's transition here because, again, you're supposed to beat Orlando at home. They beat Orlando at home. It wasn't necessarily pretty. Every quarter was tight, by the way. The Heat, you know, the Heat came out of the first quarter with a four-point lead. The other quarters were all separated by one point, one way or the other. So it's a tight game. You survive it. Great. Okay. Terrence Ross went supernova, and they and they still handled it. But yes. One more thing. We got to mention the lineup that we mentioned last game. The all-defense lineup. They ran it at the end of the second. And at the end of the fourth, you know, Jimmy at the point, Derek at the two, Iguodala and Crowder as the two forwards, and Bam at the five. 
and that might be something to look for going forward like in, down the stretch of games whenever they feel there's a little bit of defense they're going to throw in those types of lineups yeah we're going to get to the closing lineups here right so basically after the game i asked their expulsion the question with 20 games left is your team where you want it all right they're at 40 wins so far um most wins they can have this season now is 60 if they split them they'll have 50 i don't think anybody was projecting a 50 win team we can look at some of the bumps that they've had, but they've overcome some of that. Obviously, the win against Milwaukee changed the calculus on the direction of the season. They still don't have Myers Leonard. They still don't have Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero was on the court today before the game. Myers Leonard is not. Myers was in the locker room afterwards, but he seems to be a little ways away. So they still have more to integrate. But let's get through five things real quick here that we want to see over the last 20 games to get them ready for the playoffs. Because Eric Sproles just said it seems like a long way away, and it does. He's absolutely right. But he did say the word consistency a few times. But the first thing I want to start with is the end of games and the decision-making at the end of games. And I'm going to start with Jimmy Butler because I feel like I jinxed this thing tonight, Alex. Um, with about three minutes left in the, th- in the fourth quarter, I tweeted that he had masterfully run the offense in the fourth. He was just setting guys up. He set up Crowder. He set up Duncan. I mean, the ball was popping within in his hands. He was getting it to the right, making the right reads. And then all of a sudden, it's like at the end of the game, and I feel like we had this complaint about Dwayne uh, towards the end of Dwayne's career, that everything just stops and we're just waiting for Jimmy to take a bad shot. And he took two bad shots at the end of the game. What do you do about that? He's a totally selfless player the entire game, and then the last two minutes, it's like he feels like he has to do the whole thing himself. Well, I don't think that's an easy answer, right? It kind of goes and falls right back into the theme that we've harped on pretty much the whole season about this team having a lot of one-way players. And I think that's ultimately a big factor in why Jimmy does these things in the fourth, right? It's not just about the lineups, to be clear. But at the same time, it's like, okay, do you really expect Goran to be, you know, a second creator for Jimmy in the fourth quarter if he's already played 10 minutes before that? Uh, At the same time, he's your only other creator right now because Hero's out and... Even then, it's like, okay, your, your plan is to give the 19-year-old the ball. And, yes, I'm kind of in with that plan. Like, I want Hero to get clutch minutes. But this, what I'm saying is that their creation outside of Jimmy, which we, we said has been kind of a little bit of an issue throughout the year, is, I think is an issue in the fourth quarter because no one else can kind of create a shot for, for themselves outside of Bam, who isn't even at that stage yet of aggression. Uh, but, yeah, like, I just think that's the reason the offense kind of bogs down on the fourth, especially when you're throwing in some of these defense lineups, right? It's going to be very, like, this ball's going to have to manage the hell out of these timeouts going forward, right, to, to get in the right lineups at the right time. It's all going to be about timing with the lineups because that's what it is now, right? It's trying to get some good offense. You get in Goron, you get in Duncan, you get in Nunn, you get some of, you know, those types of guys in, or even Kelly at this point. But at this point, right, like, it's just about juggling the lineups and, and actually making sure that you can get some ball movement and screening going at the same time because it bogs that, down too But much. is that going to be enough, though? I mean, I, I'd say he can throw any lineups out there, but, I mean, Jimmy's, you know, proclivity in those situations is to take a deep shot. Like, that's basically – I mean, it, he did in Philadelphia. He just made more of them. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's not like he doesn't respect the other guys on the floor. He respects them for 46 minutes. So that, that's why it's it's weird think, to me that we've, we've reached this place. I think that has a lot more to do with, in general, the offense as a whole bogging down, where I think their offense has been so successful all year because it's always moving around. And it's always, you know, all of, that, all of the nifty little actions that mm-hmm. have been so successful that made them a top 10 offense all year completely shut down at the end. And obviously, that's going to happen. That's what happens when the game slows down. It's intense, but they got to get something going, right? They can't have everybody watching because that's not going to work. If he's not getting to the free throw line, it's not going to work. It feels chicken or the egg to me. 
Like I think you're taking yeah. the you're taking the chicken and I'm taking the egg. Like you're you're saying it's about the lineups that are kind of causing him to do this, and I'm saying it looks to me like no matter what lineup he has out there, this is what he's going to force. And he definitely I, likes to take the jumper in the fourth quarter. There's no doubt about it. Doesn't it doesn't matter if he's making it either. Like it doesn't matter the rest of the game if he's making the shot. Like I look, like I said, I think Jimmy Butler has earned the right to do whatever the hell he wants in a Miami Heat uniform, except take that three in the last two minutes. I, I just Agreed. I don't want to see it. I don't want to all agree. On I don't want to see it anymore. All right, number two. Uh, on this, uh, you know, again tonight, Orlando, we, we touched on it briefly, but, you know, they, they shut this down against Milwaukee, but Orlando was 13 of 30 from three for 43%. How are they going to shut down three-point shooting? Because they're still giving up so many, and, you know, the law of averages has turned around on them. And except for that game against Milwaukee, which is a little bit of an aberration lately, they've been giving up a ton of threes how does that change well you see the good thing about that is that they're most likely gonna they're almost 100 percent gonna face either the philadelphia 76ers or the indiana Pacers in the first round and uh, i was actually doing some checking on this during the last game and they're not exactly three-point shooting teams right we already knew that about philly even though even since they've added glenn robinson and alec burks who are nice little players uh neither of those teams are great shooting teams and the Pacers are even worse than you think in that aspect. I don't have the numbers on me right now, but they were in the bottom in some of those three-point numbers. And so I think that's good that one of those two matchups will really favor them there. Their defense won't be as much of a problem. But at the same time, it's like you go to the second round, you better watch out you, because you're going to get Milwaukee most likely, and they're going to fire threes on you all game. And it's like they're just going to – the only way that they have a chance to beat Milwaukee with the whole three-pointers thing is pretty much being – more physical than them like they were last game against the Bucks, And I just, that's a tough formula, man, because Jimmy and Bam aren't going to get you 25 a game in the playoffs versus that defense. All right, number three, and I wrote about this today. You can check out the column on fivereasonsports.com. You know, Bam, it's time to take your team. And, you know, tonight, uh, you know, there was this one drop step he had tonight where he exploded to the rim. I think it was in the first quarter. I was like, oh, well, we're going to see a lot of that tonight. Like, that's maybe he read the damn thing I wrote. Probably not. Uh, but it didn't happen much. The Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Rest of the game. He was, he was 5 of 9 from the floor. Um, you know, he had 10 points. He was actually a minus 8 tonight, which is a little surprising when you look at the numbers. He, he, did, he had a low-impact game for him tonight. I mean, he still did a lot of things he does defensively. Do you think, with 20 games left, he's come back from All-Star. As I wrote in my column, he's, you know, he's, he, feel, he feels newly minted there, right? Like, he, Allen Iverson knew who he was. Like, he was stunned by that. Like, I think he's gotten all this confidence out of it. But are we going to get in the playoffs a monster who's giving him 20 to 25 points consistently? Or is pretty much this the Bam Adebayo we're going to see the rest of the year? And it's going to take another offseason for him to hit that level. I pretty much lean towards the latter there, what you just said right now. But I do think it's just more about getting in more shots because I think like he has a lot of games like he did tonight where he took nine shots total or where he kind of looks better in one quarter than the other. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons. 
I mean, one of the things Spoel's referring to when he says consistency, I think mainly he's talking about defensive consistency. Mm. But I'm sure, like, there's things that he wants players to be more consistent. And I'm sure he wants Bam taking more shots. Like, I think we've kind of made uh, Spo out to be this guy who doesn't really want Bam to take a bigger role. But we don't really know about that. It might just be Bam yeah, not where, wanting to. Where did to, that come from? Like, I mean, uh, th- th- this it is makes perception sense. Perception on Twitter that Spo's holding him back, and then Bam said something at All Star about, "See, you can after the Stills competition, like, see, you know, you can tell Spo I can make threes. I don't feel like he's stopped. And like with Whiteside, like it was, it was a, like a mandate, like don't, yeah. right? I don't feel like there is one with Bam. I don't know where fans are getting that from. I mean, I think the only thing. I, I think it was valid the first couple seasons when he was a backup to the highest paid player in the team, Hassan Whiteside. But again, that's because he was a backup big. So naturally, he's going to be limited in what he could do. And I think even when he came out and played as a starter for two months or whatever it was last season, he was doing pretty much like three-fourths of what he's pretty of what he's done all season. So I, did, I do think it tends to be more on him to, to do it more. But I, I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me Spo doesn't want Bam taking that many jumpers a game. Maybe he want, he, he's okay with him taking two, three, four but at the same time, I have a feeling Spo wants Bam to go ahead and score more. Yeah, but the I, thing I with that is, like, with the, the, the thing with Jimmy and Bam and their aggression and their uh, shot attempts is that their offense has been better with everybody else hitting at all cylinders. And I think they both realize that and maybe sometimes to a fault, right, where Jimmy doesn't really realize it in the fourth quarter. He, he kind of wants to take the shot when everything bogs down. Bam is the opposite. Bam is not exactly going and trying to get the shot. Especially, he's all, like I said, he's always got a slower big on him. He can get something going, right? You, you, put, you put a guard to screen for him, mm-hmm. somebody who could shoot, like Dragic, Non-Hero, Robinson, et cetera, and you could really get Bam going there. Like, like, I think there's plenty of ways to get him going as a scorer, and that's something they're going to need to use in the playoffs. All right, two more we're going to get to right after the break. But first, check out the law firm at Seltzer Mayberg. You can make him a call at onecalllegal.com. That's one calllegal.com. They handle cases from all over the state. They've got someone there 24 hours a day on that website to get you started and get you the right attorney. If it's the middle of the night, they'll get you there in the morning for sure, and they'll handle all of your problems, whether it's immigration, personal injury, traffic tickets, sports law, just about anything else they handle at the Seltzer Mayberg Law Firm just south of Golden Glades off right off of I-95 in Miami. But like I said, they handle cases from all over the state. It's one calllegal.com, one calllegal.com. All right, let's get to number four here. And this to me is the big one. Uh, I think they need to measure some minutes here going forward into the playoffs to keep guys healthy. And 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 the one guy I'm looking at more than anybody else on this team, we've talked about Jimmy Butler and whether or not you rest him at the end of the season. Like his legs look live early today. I know he didn't have a big scoring game, but I thought he looked fresh and they want to keep him fresh. But to me, the big one is Dragic. Um, I, I think they've gotten fortunate this season with Goran's recent injury history that there hasn't been more with him. He had the one situation. He missed some time. Uh, but some of these stints that he's playing where he gets in with halfway through the, you know, the end of the third quarter, plays till the end of the game, played 31 minutes tonight. I'd really like to see them figure out a way to get him back under 25. Um, I know Eric has never been a big proponent of the idea that just shaving off three, four, five minutes off a guy's time really affects him over the long term. But I don't know about that with a guy like that. And they're going to need him because, again, until we see what Tyler Hero looks like when he comes back, what Goran Dragic gives them can't be replicated by anybody else on the roster. So how do you manage Goran? Because I, I feel like you get a hamstring pull in the last two weeks of the season because of overuse. That's going to be a bad situation, particularly if they don't, again, have Hero at full strength. Yeah, I, I've been 
we both been talking about that, especially at the games, just watching how long Goran plays in a row. It's kind of mind-boggling. And we're both two Spo guys as far as everything goes. But, yeah, like it's kind of a weird decision to make. Of all people on this team, why are you doing that to Goran Dragic, right? I get that mostly uh, that has to do with Hero being out. I think they kind of rely on Hero for some of the creation and shooting uh, that Dragic brings. And I think they're just kind of, you know, Dragic and Duncan are playing more minutes right now. And so is Kendrick Nunn, I think. And they're probably all going to get a little bit more divided once Hero is back as far as the minute alloc- minutes allocation. But he was doing this before Hero was out, if I remember correctly, at least a couple of times. And I just think, you know, you got to give him th- two, three-minute breaks in between some of these. Even if you really like him as a fourth-quarter player, which he hasn't been really that great at this year, you got to give him time to rest in between because, you know, he's not the fastest on this team. You want him to have his legs fresh. So, yeah, get like – they, they're so deep, they can afford to play all types of different guys like we've talked about. They don't have to go with Goron like that. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you on that. Um, I, you know, Goron's going to want the minutes. That's the thing. And you know, so he's not going to ask for any bit of a rest. But I, I want to. if he's going to play 30, I want it to happen in the playoffs. I, I would like to see that number come down a little bit over the last 20. Some of it is hero-related. They just don't have somebody else who can do some of that stuff. And then, of course, the Goran-Nun combination was not great for a long time. It's gotten a little bit better of late, uh, but that's something to watch. All right, number five here, uh, the continued integration of the new guys that they got. And I'm not including Solomon Hill because he's on the outside of the rotation. But, uh, but Crowder and Iguodala, you know, tonight we saw Crowder was one of eight from three. There's going to be some regression from him and you know I asked him after the game if he's got more of a green light than other places and he said no he's had a green light in a lot of places but I feel like it's really green here Um, I would like to see him contribute something offensively other than just threes you know he's been you sort of made a look there I know I don't know how much he can deliver there but I would like to see a little bit more than just the three-point shot and on the other hand um, you know Iguodala stepped into a corner three tonight that's kind of his spot it's always been his spot What's interesting, you look at the plus-minus numbers tonight. That bench, and Dragic was the team-best plus-15 tonight, but Crowder was a plus-8, Iguodala was a plus-7, and Olenek is a plus-9. And I talked to Crowder some about the connection with Olenek and Boston, which is something we've talked about on the podcast, and that's really come to pass. I mean, Olenek has looked absolutely terrific lately um, and had another really strong game today. But I sort of feel like this is the Kelly Olenek we're going to get. I think the injury played into it. Um, I think, you know, and Eric acknowledged that tonight, I think for really one of the first times. He said, you know, you know, he was a starter, you know, at the end, and then all of a sudden he has the situation, you know, with the Canadian national team in August, and, and he's had to work his way back from that. But I like the progression from Iguodala. I feel like every game has been a little bit better up until maybe this and the Milwaukee game were about equal, but he's sort of gotten to a good level now. But can they continue to – can they get two-way play? Out of those two guys. That's the big thing for me. Well, I'm not really worried about two-way play necessarily. I just think it's about two-way consistency, right? I think, like, for example, with Kelly, I I tend to agree with you. I think this is the form of Kelly that we're going to get going forward. I think he is just good. He looks fresh. He looks comfortable. looks confident. We've already talked about this. But a little something I noticed tonight, just looking at the stats right quick, uh, with the plus-minus, four guys for both teams, four out of five, finished directly the opposite of each other. So the story of the game based on the plus-minus was the Magic starting lineup outperforming the Heat starting lineup, and then the other way around for the bench is the Heat bench completely outperforming the Magic bench, even with Terrence Ross, right? Like, you have four guys on uh, on the Heat bench positive and four guys in the starting lineup negative. And you get me it's the exact opposite with the Magic, which I think is interesting, right? It, it, it follows another trend that this bench lineup 
is really damn good. And, and they've got something going there on both ends of the floor. It's going to be interesting once Hero comes back and replaces those Duncan and Nunn minutes with those lineups. But, like, it's a, it, that's a point to really make here, though, right? Like, we've talked about all season how Spo likes having multiple units and specifically two units for most of the game that are just positive and you can rely on to do multiple different types of things and they've got it again right after a little bit of confusion there before the trade and a little bit struggling after the trade I think they've kind of figured out what those roles should be with Crowder and Iguodala and as far as Crowder's offensive game like I don't really trust him as a dribbler I don't trust him as a passer he has kind of weird timing on his passes uh and not really as a dribble-driving finisher either, who I would like to see do a little bit more stuff on, on offense, not even necessarily with just scoring, but just the ball in his hands uh, when, he, when he gets the ball in space is Iguodala. I think he's a really good decision-maker, and he reacts in very quick time. Like I think Crowder's a little bit bad with, with you know timing and stuff happening quickly. I think he's just really good at taking open threes on offense or kicking his feet out and getting – you know, <laughs> getting those foul calls, which is that's, – that's a value, right? Yeah, it is. No, and no doubt. And, and you're right. I mean, he, as a dribbler, he's not DJJ level, but he's not great. Um, and But you look, I'm looking at the minutes tonight. Crowder played 32 minutes, which was actually third on the team. Duncan Robinson had 36, and Jimmy had 33, and then Crowder was right there. So he's still getting heavy minutes. Like I mentioned, Goran got 31 minutes. But I, I think what Spolster said after the game about having veterans on his bench – he likes to have veteran guys that he can trust to come in to kind of change the energy of the game, which is why I think he's going to keep this group together. I think the one wild card is going to be Hero. He's going to throw Hero in as kind of a stick of dynamite with this group, but he's going to have him out there with Dragic, Crowder, Iguodala, and Olenek, and it's going to make it that, you know, so there's a certain level of control and veteran leadership and competence there. Yeah, so. it's the other wild card with what you're talking about there is what another thing we talked about over the past few shows is Derek Jones Jr. and his minutes allocation going forward. They're obviously p- still playing with a nine-man rotation right now without Myers, without uh, Tyler. But Derek came out tonight and played 20 minutes, you know, uh, five more minutes than both Iguodala and Kelly. So I think it's interesting that Spo keeps finding ways to put him in. I think he, he recognizes the defensive value. But 20 minutes is not really that much. You're going to bring back two guys, you know, maybe they don't – play Myers Leonard that much like you said but it's I, I'm going to keep monitoring the situation yeah Tyler Harrow is going to get minutes um, now there, there may be some trust issues there defensively in the playoffs uh, that he might be able to get away with but uh, with something we've talked about repeatedly when you have other guys that you don't really trust defensively like Duncan and Goron it makes it tougher to give Tyler the heavy minutes with him too because who's he going to lean to he's going to lean towards Duncan because of the spacing that he provides and he's going to lean towards Goron because there's a, again a trust level there with a veteran. So it's a, it's a decisions to be made. But the overall point tonight as we close, 40 wins with 20 games left. Any Heat fan before the season, if you said 40 wins with 20 games left, I don't care how you get there, where, what the path is, how many bad losses you have at the end of games where you fall apart, 40 wins with 20 games left. It's an A. It's an A. And you take it, especially when you look at the rest of the schedule and you say, you know, this is workable. Now, they've got a difficult one coming up on Friday in New Orleans uh, with what is a pretty loaded roster they've got there. They just haven't put the thing together yet. Zion's going off again tonight. And then Washington, a winnable game. And then, you know, you come back and you've got Charlotte. You got, you've got Knicks. You've got, some, you've got some games that you should take care of, but we've said that before. Anyway, check out the website, fivereasonsports.com, my latest column there on Bam Adebayo. We'll have other columns coming up in the next couple of days. And, of course, the YouTube channel. Everything goes on there after the game, so you're going to want to subscribe to that thing. It's free. Why not? Talk soon. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network.
Ohio. Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.